I'm Petra Schling, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, The Real ESP Experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 299. I'm your host, Andra Spinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Onika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hallo! Hey son, hey son! How are you guys? Bloody 299 episodes. 299? I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you? A marathon. <laughs> well, it's been a few. It's been a few. I'm ready for another 299 episodes going forward. <laughs> mm, no problem. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And we've got special plans, as we've mentioned a million times. We've got special plans for 300, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, we thought that uh, it would be a good idea for us to be like interviewees on our own show. And uh, the interviewers should be our listeners, who would probably have uh, something to ask about our past, what we've done before this, or, or about the skeptical movement in our respective countries. So whatever, whatever you wanted to ask, just, just do. And yep. let us know what your question is by emailing us. You can email an audio recording, and uh, that would be great. We would include that in the show. That way, you would definitely become an interviewer yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and the mail address, of course, is info at theesp.eu, unless, well... It is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also, uh, there's also a contact form on our website, which is uh, theesp.eu. And you can send us your questions that way. And you can also send us your questions on Facebook or Twitter. So like we won't be picky. And if you're a patron on Patreon, you can also send your questions there, obviously. Right. Which so has already happened, by the way. So yeah, Exactly. <laughs> and if you're not a patron, we suggest you become one. It's very easy. Yeah. You go to patreon.com slash the ESP and you just sign up and we would appreciate that terribly. That is a great <laughs> thing to do. That will make our day. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. But apart from ads <laughs> for our own show, we also prepared something really, really exciting for you. Yes, we have an interview coming up with Petra Schling. Isn't that right, Annika? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, unfortunately, as it has become a bit of a habit of mine not being able to attend our own interviews, would you care to say something more about Petra Schling and the interview? Yeah, so uh, Petra Schling is a biochemist mm -hmm. and she teaches in Heidelberg. And it was super interesting interviewing her. We, we talked about plants and superfoods and why scam in a way of like so-called alternative medicine, how you can keep yourself from falling into the traps of that. And um, I don't want to spoil everything, but it was super mm -hmm. interesting and very fascinating. Right. Yeah. Very interesting about toxins as well. Lots mm. of the plants are not 
they don't want to be eaten. So they have toxins in them for us not to eat them. And we still insist in doing that. So there are enemies. That's interesting. We'd also talked about uh, critical thinking in schools, misconceptions, things like that. But uh, mm. I think we should go into the interview and let her tell us herself. Okay, really looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> so, well, yeah, why don't we do that? Every now and then, we interview someone whose work is of interest to our listeners and skeptics around Europe. Dr. Petra Schling is a biochemist and teacher at the Biochemie Zentrum of the University of Heidelberg. She studied in Regensburg and researched fat cells and fat metabolism of other cells. She is also interested in the science of tasting and how taste can influence emotions. As a teacher, it is really important to her to further critical thinking and the scientific method. She does that in her teaching role in Heidelberg, but also with presentations and at Kinderuni, which is a university presentation for children. Petra, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome to the ESP. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, yeah, I just said you're a biochemist. Why did you decide to study biochemistry? Oh, well, that's difficult. It's in school time when you're interested in everything. I wanted to study biology first, but then my grades were much better than I was expecting. So when I <laughs> was seeing these grades, which I didn't really expect, I said, oh, well, maybe I can do biochemistry because I had the favor for chemistry also. And so I just tried and it, it really got onto me. So I loved it from the first You just happen to be good at it. That's a good reason. <laughs> well, I, I did have a hard time during my studies at university because um, it was quite, yeah, the mass was quite f forward. <laughs> yeah. But I did manage, yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so you're interested in, in several different topics here, but I'm very interested to hear about your view about plant-based so-called medicine. What are your feelings about that? Well, if it's really medicine or really uh, drugs, I feel about like any other drug. So if it's a, a molecule that has a specific yeah, way to work in our body and can be used to treat a specific disease, it's perfect. So I would feel very nice about it. But just to say that everything that plants make is uh, fine and nice and um, plants make it just to cure our diseases, that's something I feel really critical about. Are there Plants that actually can heal? Yes, sure. I mean, plants don't heal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, plants no. uh, make all their molecules for other reasons. They don't care about us. I would say plants don't like us because we are mostly on the food chain above them. But there are molecules in plants that just happen to work against illnesses we have. Like there's this digitalis plant, which has nice little flowers. Um, if you just eat them, you die because your heart stops. But if you um, have a heart disease and you use the same digitalis in the right proportions, then it can uh, make your heart beat a little better. So with all the studies concerning it, this one molecule is a good medicine. So yes, there are plants. Well, You should never eat the Gitalis uh, plant, uh, and even if you have a heart disease. <laughs> you should not take medical advice from this podcast anyway. So. Yes, uh, yes, sure, you shouldn't. But you shouldn't eat any toxic plants, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, if it's a medicine and um, there's a studies about it and you exactly know at which illness, yes, there are plants that help us a lot. Mm -hmm. I, th I think the, the angle that you have, is that you point out that 
plants may produce good things for us, but they don't do it for us. It, they, nope. do, they actually don't want to be eaten. So a lot of what we value with them are actually made for totally different reasons. And sometimes it's made for us not to eat them. Exactly. That's the reasons the plants do it, because they can't run away. They can't fight back, really, with, with teeth or anything. So the only <laughs> really defense system they have is toxins. And they use that very, very a lot. So they have lots of different toxins. Of course, their main problem is insects. So most plants have very high toxins against insects. So if we eat them, they're not so toxic against us. But they often taste bitter, for instance, and we, we know, okay, this plant really doesn't want to be eaten. Let's leave it alone. Mm. That, that ties into your interest in taste. So how come then that we value some of these bitter tastes like coffee, like mustard or... or um, grapefruit. <laughs> or, or grapefruit, yes. Yeah. Things that actually doesn't taste very good the first time we taste it but but then uh, we get used to it and we like it so uh, yeah that's a kind of a problem that's not biochemical in nature um there are some philosophers that have their theories about it maybe we like it a little interesting in life it would be too too blunt just to have carbohydrates fats and proteins they do taste good but they don't have the special something about them. Mm. So I think when we grow older, we kind of like to try things out. And yeah, then maybe a little spice is quite nice to have. Mm. But still, we would never eat pure mustard or pure um, chilies, for instance, or something bitter. And I, I'm not sure if we like the bitter taste in coffee, because a few years back, these little capsules, I, I don't think you might remember them, these aluminum capsules that we put in the machine, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. were really had a big thing. And I think that's just because in these capsules, they could put in the bitter blockers. They they tasted different from the coffee you, you put in your machine yourself. And I think they just had this bitter blockers in them, so they tasted better to us. I don't think we like the bitter taste, really. Well, I think I do a little bit. Yeah. Not too much. I, I think maybe it's a but question of personal uh, preference. Mm. I don't. I never drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but a little child would never nah. taste mm. coffee and say, yes, I like that. Mm. A little child doesn't even eat carrots <laughs> exactly why would you say that taste exists at all is that our defense mechanism yes of course uh, we have to know what we're eating because uh, when we well now we know it because it's written on the package that we buy in the supermarket but before that we had to eat anything that came into our path And so we had to know, is it highly nutritious? Does it have a lot of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins? Mm -hmm. And then we have to see, okay, how much toxins are in there? Because there's always toxins in there. But if it's like a lot of good stuff and a little toxin, we would eat it. And this is what our taste tells us. So we, we can taste proteins, we can taste sugars, we can taste fat. And this is all positive. So we, we know, okay, this is nice, we should swallow it. But then we can taste mostly the bitter and the sharp stuff and the hot stuff. And yeah, it, the balance is what makes us swallow it or spit it out. So mm. if it's too bitter, we should spit it out. If it's just a little bit bitter, but there's lots of good stuff in there, 
we take it up. So that, that's very important. And there's a level before that, because when we hurt the plant, I mean, we have to hurt it when we bite into it or break it off, then the plant sends out uh, olfactory stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the um, essential oils, mostly, mm-hmm. that go into the air, and we can smell them. And they are a warning signal, too. They hurt our nose. They hurt our yeah, mucos uh, in the mouth. So if there's too much of that, we will leave the plant alone. So yes, it's very good that we have this taste and mm. smell. Yeah, actually, you voice an important point there, because I know that ethereal oils are something that people also use against the flu or so, where they put it in mm. their mouth or in their nose. And that's actually also a defense mechanism by the plant, right? Right. And some, well, if you have a flu, then it might even help. It depends on what kind of uh, flu you're <laughs> stuck with, but it kind of um, hurts your well, your your tissues. Mm-hmm. And so they start making a lot of fluids and, mm. and mucus. And this might help to get rid of whatever you you have there. So a little bit of it might even help, but the side effects are quite rush. So there's often people that have burns in their mouths or mm. really red sores from these essential oils. So um, yeah, you have to use them very cautiously. Mm. There's a, there's a sense out there that everything that is natural must be good for you. And it seems like you're saying it's not always that way. So why do you think people believe that? I don't know, actually. It's it's this kind of... I, don't, I think we might not really know nature anymore. I think like a thousand years back, when you were put out into nature, you knew that it was against you. You knew you could be eaten by an animal, you could be hurt by anything that's out there. It's cold, it's rainy. But today, we don't go out when it's rainy. We just go out when it's nice, when the birds are chilping, and yeah, when when nature is something comfortable. But I don't think this is really nature, the nature that we have around us. Mm. So I think this is a false impression we have. Nature is not for us, nature is against us, because uh, this natural selection is still working. It's working in humans, it's working in nature. So um, we're still against each other. We have we consume other animals, other plants to live, and they don't like us for it. I mean, no, <laughs> no one wants to be eaten. Um, and they make defense mechanisms. And so we, we have a co-evolution that everybody can live, but we all live on the expense of others. That's nature to me. <laughs> <laughs> so... How do you feel about these so-called superfoods that we hear about sometimes? Is there something like a superfood? No, I would say no, because we have to eat lots of different foods to be healthy. And this is something that comes out of every study that has been done for, I don't know, over 100 years probably. People who eat lots of different stuff and drink lots of different stuff, they usually tend to be healthier in the end than people who concentrate on single foodstuffs that are now called superfoods. Early on, we had to eat single foodstuff because there was nothing else in winter, for instance. But this is not healthy. This is just surviving. But if we have a a supply of different stuff and eat a little bit of everything, we tend to be healthier. Nobody really knows why, because it's so complex. But superfood always suggests that you eat only this and then you will become 100 years old. And this is not true. So you can eat food, superfoods too, of course, but just a tiny bit because they're usually not our natural foods. That's right. Yeah, but I yeah. think that's that's probably because people are looking for a simple solution. If they only eat this thing, 
always. That's easy to remember, easy to do. It's wishful thinking in a way. Yes, probably. But I, I think it's it's strange because it is easy. I mean, I would say if you eat what you like, what you're craving for and what tastes good for you, then you're probably on the right track. You don't have to study food to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I, I guess you need to be careful with some kinds of food, right? So if you only eat chocolate or things that are you taste very good, that's not healthy either. But you would never do that. You would never only eat chocolate. Mm -hmm. You would maybe get the main calories out of chocolate. I think I do that. So if you calculate all the <laughs> calories I eat over the day, probably most of them come from chocolate. But you still have this craving for something salty, for something like salad. You can do it for a few days, but then chocolate is out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, What? where would the public need more information regarding plants? Any kind of plants, healing plants? If I were a teacher in school, <laughs> I would really force a course on the school to get them very simple rules across. For instance, if, we, if we're talking about drugs and, and plants, a drug is something that has gone through a lot of clinical studies, where lots of people have taken this drug, have been researched and have had their blood taken, and where everything comes to light that's not good or is good about this drug. And if a plant substance goes through all these clinical tests and comes out as a prescription medicine, then it's fine. Then you should talk about it with your doctor and he says it's fine or she says it's fine, then it's okay. But as long as it's not a prescription medicine, yeah. it hasn't gone through all these tests, I would never trust it. So you don't need to know every specific natural molecule in detail because this would be just too much. Mm. You just have to accept that if it's interesting – the pharmaceutical industry will take it and will make a drug out of it because they're really interested in these stuffs and these medicines from mm. plants. Yeah. Is that why actual medicine is superior to like plant-based herbal alternative medicine? Yes, of course, because it works. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's as simple as that. If it didn't work and had a high, um, yeah, it, if it's risky to take, even if you have this illness and it's probably has some good effects, then it will never get through these studies. It will never get to be on the market. But if it's just the plant and you just put hot water in it and say, okay, this will be my medicine, you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can have a good effect, of course, but you don't know. And you don't know what all the other effects are on your body. So I would be quite critical and yeah. not believe in mm. that. But a lot of people are trying things for themselves at home and then they say, it worked for me. What would you say about that? Yeah, we know that the, uh, especially in the last 10, 20, 30 years, the placebo effects in our Western society, I would say, have really grown. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But we do have the tendency to yeah, uh, heal ourselves a little bit. And this is true. And so it's it's fine to use these effects. The problem is for me, if I'm really sick, my own placebo effects cannot heal me anymore. It's hard to notice when I should go to the doctor and, and skip all the natural stuff. So that's why I'm against this self-healing uh, stuff. Of course, everybody drinks a tea when he has a sore throat. I mean, nothing is can be said against that. And if it tastes well and if it makes you feel good, that's fine. But I would be cautious when it starts to getting in the form of tablets 
Mm-hmm. There are some natural remedies on the market that come in tablet form and you're supposed to swallow them and not bite on them because they taste really bad. Then your natural defenses, your natural senses cannot protect you anymore. So I would say if you like a tea, drink it. If you like the taste of a special plant, eat a little bit of it. If, if an um, essential oil makes your nose water and afterwards you have a better breathing, fine. Mm-hmm. But don't swallow tablets that are not gone through this medical screening tests. Right. Do you think we need harder regulation against the so-called alternative medicine? And what kind of regulation would you like to see if, if so? Yeah, I think in Germany, I don't know if it's in all the countries the same, but in Germany, we do have quite hard regulations because on all these tablets, there's not written medicine on it. There's just... Um, food foodstuffs kind of it yeah. so supplements ex- maybe yeah. supplements yeah food mm. supplements and they always have to state on the packages how many tablets you are allowed to eat per day and if you stick to this i think in germany you're safe because then the amount is so little you will never get any effects of it so the only hurting stuff is that your your money goes away okay you buy it and you have less money but that's your decision i don't think you have to Yeah, save people from that. Mm -hmm. But some people overdo it. They take more than is written on the package and they do get health problems. But I mean, we do have a society where people are supposed to be um, yeah, self-efficient. and You have to have some freedom to decide yes. for yourself as mm-hmm. well. But yeah. that means we need to make sure that everybody have the right information. So maybe we can get over into your teaching critical thinking in schools. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I try this. Yeah. <laughs> of course, in the university, you always have a very, very high, yeah, a lot you have to teach in facts, and um, so you can only do it as a side dish for for your <laughs> talks. But still, we try to do this. We try to make the students think for themselves and ask questions and have them look at literature, for instance, in a critical way. I have this one lecture with biochemistry students. Uh, they are have they're in the fifth semester, so they're not very new, and they have to read special specific papers and then discuss them. And I always realize that they believe everything that's in the paper because it's a scientific journal and it's published and it's supposedly to be peer reviewed. And I really <laughs> like to <laughs> to see them see that there's some of these papers are really bad and you can see these little <laughs> details that tell you nobody has read through this paper before. It's just been published and nobody has ever read the text. So I sometimes pick out the really bad papers and just to tell them, okay, be cautious. Not everything that's in the public outside is really worth believing in. Yeah. I think this is very important because we cannot teach them every fact in life. They have to get their own facts through research So they have to know, okay, there's there's something out there that we should be cautious about. Mm. Um, if you could change one thing about how other people perceive your field of um, of work, would you? Um, what would it be and why? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so misconceptions. Well, it, yeah, it's difficult because I'm in a, a sur- surrounded by people who who think kind of like I do. So in in my working field, in my stu- with my students, I hardly get any. I don't get the wrong feedback usually, so we can discuss it quite openly. 
Of course, in the wider public, some people think that I'm paid by the uh, <laughs> pharmaceutical industry because I always say these things like, uh, okay, a real drug is has gone through all these tests and I do believe in them. I don't believe in this uh, herbal tea, for instance. But still, I think as long as they talk to me and as long as they say something and criticize me, we're still on the right track. It's hard to reach the other ones that don't even listen to anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> Those would probably be interesting to reach, but uh, I think it's you don't have time for everything. That's uh, so. Maybe I I would say okay. I would like to have more time mm-hmm. to do all this, to go into different uh, societies and talk in school, for instance. That would be interesting. Yeah. But neither the students in school nor I have that much of time. No. Do you do you think we should spend more time on critical thinking in in lower grades already in first, second, third grade with kids really? When it comes to your university, hopefully people are smart, but there's some sort of self-selection there as well. Sure. Could we should we reform the school system altogether somehow? <laughs> Well, not reform it altogether, but as I said, I would introduce courses about critical thinking. They can have different names, but yes, I would introduce them from the very first start, from mm. from first grade or even before, because little kids are critical. I mean, they have this tendency to be critical, and they they see when you're talking something stupid, then they really know you're not saying the right stuff, and they will tell you. So I think. <laughs> Yes, if you if you could go this early and tell them, okay, don't believe everything these grown-ups tell you. Think mm. about it, and if it makes sense to you, okay, fine. But if you have questions, do ask them. That can start really early. You don't have to talk about drugs, but you can talk about anything in nature, and they're interested normally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Maybe you can um, give us an example of a superfood or a plant that is supposed to be super healthy but it's actually toxic well the really toxic stuff out there is usually known so um what is on the market is usually something that is in between that is not really helping but usually does not get taken up by our bodies so it doesn't work in either way what i have been talking with students about a lot is the curcumin which is mm-hmm. a yellow molecule that has been used to color food yellow for at least 5000 years now the plant is name is curcuma and um this yellow pigment was always used in traditional medicines in india and china for example for for stomach aches or worms or stuff like that and it's now getting to be used in european countries too so you can even get tablets with curcumin in it yeah the problem is not the problem i think it's good it's not taken up by our body so you can eat it but it will come out in the end and be on the toilet side of you <laughs> um and you will have yellow Yeah, excrements <laughs> in the end. That's what cocaine is doing. <laughs> yeah, so that's one. And your body knows because we have been eating stuff like that for millions of years. So your body knows. Okay, this is something the plant has made to get rid of us, so we don't take it up anymore. But this cocaine has the ability to uh, grab to any other molecule, to insert into membranes, to um, manipulate proteins. So whenever you do an in vitro assay with curcumin, you will always get a result. So this is one of these molecules that you just need to have the right question and leave out the right controls, and then you always have a positive result in your in vitro experiments. 
And so you can make easy papers of it and they will get published and it's very interesting and it kills cell, it kills cancer cells. It does things to receptors on your membranes that you probably want to know. But when you go from these in vitro experiments to your in vivo experiments, so into animals, into humans, you will see nothing because the only effect it has is on your, well, on your color. intestine, yes. <laughs> so you might get diarrhea. That's maybe if you take too much of it. Yeah. But it does not get into your body, so it cannot do anything to cells inside your body. So all the papers that are cited in these not-so-scientific websites where they want to sell curcumin, they're mostly in vitro papers, or, of course, they are not-so-well-controlled studies where there's no double-blind controls, where there's no placebo group, and then, of course, it does have an effect because, as I said, the placebo effect is really strong. Mm. Mm. So this is something that is, um, well, it's like, okay, if you if you take only the tablet amount that's written on the package, uh, it will just go and drain your money back. <laughs> but some people have overused it and they have really hurt their liver because the liver is the next step that if, if the intestine is letting some through, then the liver has to take care of it. And sometimes the liver is just overwhelmed and then you get mm. liver problems. And this can be really health-threatening. Yeah. So it's toxic, but only if you overdo it. Mm. And what they're doing now is trying to formulate the stuff so it is taken up by the body. So mm. they try to, <laughs> to go around our own defenses. And I don't think that's a good thing. No. Because then we have all the side effects that we don't want. And probably no positive effects. Yeah, that sounds really dangerous. How about yeah. the, the? How do you feel about the the fact that if, since people believe in superfoods or whatever, the risk is that they delay taking real medicine if they are really ill. That's a big problem. I mean, there are some illnesses like the flu that just don't need any medicine. Mm. So um, there's no problem there if you take a chamomile tea or during your flu. But there's, of course, a lot of illnesses that need real treatment and that cannot be cured by just helping your own defense systems. And yes, sadly, I know people in my vicinity that died because they believed too long in these herbal medicines or in some other kind of stuff that didn't work. And then it was too late and no doctor could do anything for them. Mm. That's a big problem, yes. Mm. Definitely. And how could I identify these kind of, like, Edsel Ernst called it, calls it scam, so-called alternative medicine. <laughs> um, so how can I identify that on the plant-based side of stuff? Or do you just, uh, would you just say, like, if you don't eat it as nutrition, then it's just scam anyways? I would say if it's not a proof medicine, mm -hmm. if it's not a pharmaceutical product that has gone all through these tests, yeah, it's scam. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's um, a very easy and good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it looks like medicine, but it has a supplement written on the package, mm. it's scam. Yeah. I mean, it's fraud. I would say. Yeah, it's yeah. just fraud because yeah. I mean they're not allowed to put health claims on these packages, but still, it's hard to have this package that really looks like a medicine package in front of you and not believe it's medicine. Huh? So you really have to read this supplement, uh, which is written very small somewhere. Mm. Right. So so now we've talked really bad about uh, so-called natural, quote-unquote, medicine. But just to get the other perspective, there is a number of medicines that actually are based on plants. Could you name a few 
examples on that? Yes, of course. Mm. Well, the digitonin is a very old example, or what we take for headaches, the acetyl salicylic acid comes from a birch tree. A newer example is, um, I don't know what's it's spelled in, in, in English, but it's artemisinin. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> difficult name. It's um, something from a very unsuspected plant that grows everywhere nearly. And um, it cure, not it, it doesn't cure, but it helps people have malaria to survive malaria mm-hmm. because it really hurts the red blood cells where the malaria parasite is inside. And it's a very good drug. It's pure natural, but all these drugs have the problem that they are not taken up very well. So when they are discovered, the pharmaceutical industry usually modifies these natural products, puts on some other chemical groups to have them taken up, to be more specific in their reactions with the body. So usually a chemical inside a plant is discovered, but it's only a lead drug. It's not the final product. And then the chemists try to make all the different modifications to make it better. So we're not really taking salicin, which is what is really in the birch tree, to get rid of our headaches. Mm -hmm. It does work, but it has some very huge side effects. But we have this acetyl salicylic acid, which is a modification, but makes it a lot more potent and a lot more specific, which is a good thing. Mm. So, um, yes, there's lots of stuff still to be discovered, but it's like uh, the, the typical needle in the haystack because the plant didn't make it for us. We cannot well look at the plant and say, okay, this plant will work against this illness. It's kind of a, a puzzle that you have to really go through. So it's, it's this high throughput uh, stuff the pharmaceutical industry does where they have this not database but molecule base which they put on different cells and just see what they're doing. And then from there on, they look at the different diseases and try to figure out which might be a good candidate for a drug. It's hard work and a lot of money goes in there. They test it for safety and effectiveness. And that's not something you can do yourself. Sure. No. Yeah. And it also wouldn't be ethical to just be like, oh, we want to find out what this plant does. So we just give it to people. <laughs> like, I think you have to have a certain sickness for things to actually work, right? Sure. That's one misconception I would really try to go against whenever I meet people. This misconception that you have to take drugs to stay healthy. I, I don't know where it comes from. But if you're healthy, you should never take drugs doesn't matter if they're from the pharmaceutical industry or from a plant. I mean, if you're healthy, you're healthy, that's fine. And just stay the way you are. And taking drugs is for sick people because only then the side effects are acceptable. Mm. Because every drug has side effects, that's for sure. And you have to accept them if you get your illness, if you get rid of your illness by them. Yeah, exactly. Like, we know that you are from Germany. Would you say Germany is different from the rest of the EU regarding plant-based, herbal, alternative medicine and superfoods? Or is it the same? I I don't know, because I don't have that much experience with people from outside Germany. But uh, from the few experiments I, experience I have, I would say no, it's not so different. At least not from Central Europe. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has their special beliefs, like the Germans have their special belief in homeopathy mm-hmm. that others don't share. But then there's probably others who have special other medicines or like healers they believe in that maybe me don't do that much. But I think in on the whole, we all have these weird thoughts about how our health should be. <laughs> 
You, you mentioned homeopathy, and we've seen in the UK and also lately in France that there's a change that the public health is not no longer funding homeopathy. It hasn't been banned, but they've stopped the funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that will happen in Germany as well, or is Germany is too much of a fan of homeopathy that that will ever happen? I hope so much that it happens in Germany too, but we have this very... We're really grounded on it. And there's even a special paragraph in our law that says there are special kinds of medicine like homeopathy that are supposed to be treated like real medicine. I, it, it's, it, I, I can't say the real text because it's so strange, but they kind of put it really in our basic law that homeopathy is to be funded and is to be treated as if it were school medicine. No. This is very, very strange. And there's, of course, lots of people who try to get rid of this paragraph in the, in the law. But I don't know, it's stuck there. And there's lots of people uh, who profit from this. So I, I think it's very hard for Germany to get rid of it. Yeah. But I think we're in the right direction. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot louder. This homeopathy doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Just to quickly explain that to our listeners, um, the term school medicine is ah. medicine. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just used in Germany at times to distinct, uh, make a distinction between alternative medicine and medicine. And that's when you say school medicine. Yeah, it's mostly used by the alternative medicine people yeah. who want to discredit it. Yes, yeah. for me, it would be just medicine. That's true. That's right. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add that we didn't ask you about? <laughs> Well, I don't think you didn't ask it. It's just, um, yeah, as a, as a quintessence or whatever, as a final sentence, I would just say, okay, I, I'm not against herbs. I'm not against uh, spices. I'm not against coloring of food. As we said in the beginning, this makes life interesting. Mm. And this is something we should do. And um, so it's okay to get little children to try out different foods and, and tell us if they like them or not. <laughs> it's just this fixation on special foods. Like you don't, you have to eat this food, then you're healthy. That's not true. The other thing we already said, okay, if you are sick, you need real medicine, then go to a doctor and have a prescription. Mm-hmm. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if uh, people want to find out more about you and your work, uh, is there somewhere they can go? Well, the easiest way would be to write an email to me mm-hmm. because either I can answer questions directly or I can tell them where they can find information I don't have a website for myself. They can always visit my, the website of my employer, the biochemistry center. There you can find me all the time. But there's, it doesn't have information about the stuff we talked about today. Okay. So if anybody has questions, I would really welcome an email. Okay, we will put that in the show notes. Yes, mm-hmm. that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Petra, thank you very much for the enlightening interview. That was really interesting. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Did you like it, (laughs) Andras? I feel like I know much more about the world. Thank you very much for that. I want to comment on one thing. At at one point, she talked about the flu and how it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, very uh, serious. Of course, Real flu can be very serious. I, I think she was referring to the common to cold. To the head cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a German yeah, thing. Right. It's so, a German thing. We, yeah, we, do, we do the same in Swedish. <laughs> we call it the same thing. And, yeah. And it's not the same. So so do we. So for the listeners, the, the flu is something you should take seriously. The common cold, 
usually just takes care of itself. She did have a good comment that I wanted to make as a t-shirt, really. And uh, that is, the this is the quote, If it looks like medicine, but has supplement written on it, it is fraud. I think that's very good. I, yes. I want to make that t-shirt. Yes. Summarizes the whole thing very neatly. Yeah. Maybe we should do one of those for QED next year. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like I had a really good time with the interview. It was really interesting. And if you want to interview us, dear listeners, don't forget (laughs) to send in your questions uh, until the 14th so that we can still put it into the show. (laughs) That's right. I don't know if you've got that saying, but uh, this is what we call when the executioner is being hanged. Hanged? Yeah, you can use hanged and hung as well, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Neither of them are pleasant, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah we've got that saying do you in your language i i, I don't I remember we, i don't know if if that's a swedish saying i don't think so i think actually. we usually say something like the dice will fall or oh, will have fallen okay, okay. yeah it's a little <laughs> bit different i think yeah it's probably well, like from the feeling it's a bit different but it might mean the same thing all right one more thing before we go um, last week I mentioned that my next tour will be to Dubai, mm. right? That's right. So I'm going to the United Arab Emirates. I am pretty sure that there are skeptics there. Mm. I know for a fact there are because I know someone who lives there and is a member of the Hungarian Skeptic Society. <laughs> but if someone else is listening and you know a skeptic there or you are one of them yourself, then I would love to meet up with you at some point. So I will spend six days in the the Emirates, and I'm pretty sure in the evenings I could I could find some time to hang out with uh, like-minded people. Wow! Let's give that yeah, a try. Sounds good. <laughs> Bring your mm-hmm. microphone if that happens, so we can we can uh, have that. some reporting mm-hmm. back. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. I will definitely have a microphone with me. But I think that's basically it for this week. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, Annika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. We start. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Panda. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking if I should. Okay, I'll, I'll ask. Yes, ask, please. <laughs> You're getting company, Andros. 
Yes, I actually invited them. Oh, because you know who that is. You have a baby. <laughs> oh, this is your sister and her baby. This is she's Nova. Hello, Nova. Ah, Nova. Hello. <laughs> the other skeptic baby. 